Kravitz. If you have not followed his Triple H Horse Racing Podcast, you're missing out. It's one of the best podcasts in the country. Hello, welcome to the HHH Racing Podcast, episode 224. Thank you very much for joining us as we have a very special show today to talk about the undercard races on a ridiculously good race day at Gulfstream Park this Saturday. We're going to be talking about four races on the undercard, races five, six, eight, and nine. Of course, this is a tape show. We are not live here, so we will not see any comments from viewers on the bottom of the screen, but we hope you get a lot of information with myself and a very special co-host we'll be bringing on here in just a moment. Please make sure you hit that subscribe button on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. We'd greatly appreciate that. Also hit that notification bell so that you know when new content will arise. And also smash that like button. That will just help YouTube send people to the HHH Racing Podcast, helps with our ad revenue and etc. We'd appreciate it. You can listen to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. You can see on my name tag there, you can follow me on Twitter, at hkravitz. And at the bottom of the screen scrolling, you will see my email, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. Also on the bottom of the screen, you'll see our show, our next show, as we are filming this on Tuesday, by the way. The next live show will be Wednesday night, Ben and Boozen, 9 p.m. Eastern. We're doing a little swaparoo. Uh, Pete Visco, usually our a great co-host on Thursdays with our flagship show, uh, will not be available Thursday night. So we're doing a little swapping. Pete Visco will be hosting Benton and Boozen Wednesday night. And Benton and Boozen host Kyle Roscoe will be with us on the flagship show on Thursday night. So check out Benton and Boozen with new hosts just for this week, Pete Visco, along with, of course, Charlie Freeman and Patrick Kunzel as well. Power picks. Can't say enough good things. Our power picks were amazing last week. We had trifectas. We had win bets. It's really good. Look below the video player for all the information. We've been touting all year. We have more and more people subscribing. I don't know why you wouldn't, especially this time of year, if you want to get price pay, price plays, spot plays, winning pick fives, etc. The power picks are the place to go. And then uh, finally, of course, we have a fantastic website, uh, hhhracingpodcast.com. Highly recommend you look into that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, today I have a, a special guest, one of our co-hosts from Benton and Boozen. We have two young men on the show that are doing a fantastic job. And I want to give kudos to both uh, Charlie Freeman, Freeman and our uh, co-host here about to come on, Patrick Kunzel, because they know a hell of a lot more uh, than I did when I was their age. They've done an excellent job on Benton and Boozen. And today we have uh, Patrick Kunzel joining us for today's show to talk about the four undercard races at Gulfstream Park. So without further ado, from New Jersey, I'm calling him Mr. New York Giants Football Club, the one and only Patrick Kunzel. Patrick, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Howard. Thank you for having me on. I feel like I'm stepping up to the big leagues. You know, ah, you can handle it. You're stepping up in class from the maiden ranks to the allowance company, but you can handle it. Here you got a lot of a little, little snow in the Northeast uh, lately. Yes, it did. Yeah, a lot of snow uh, today out of nowhere. First one of the season. So um, Wow. I, I know it's been real warm, but those golf clubs will come back out, I, I know, 
uh, pretty soon. Patch, I'm going to be talking about races five, six, eight, and nine. These are outside of the pick five uh, sequence at, at Gulfstream. And we talked a little bit before the show. Uh, they are all turf races. And when you looked at these turf races, you thought what? Euros. Euros, Euros, Euros. Okay. <laughs> We're, and you're not talking about the food. We're talking about the country, right? You got that right. <laughs> Euros, close enough, right? Yeah. Um, we're going to have a conversation about what you do with European horses during the show, Patrick, because I think there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to gleam um, from these zeros that are running on Saturday. We also have some horses that are classy and coming back off of layups. Patrick, it's fair to say the, the, this is a tricky little four races we're going to be talking about. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I was looking at it, you know, I struggle with turf races to be honest with you, handicapping sometimes and um, to see euros that, come into the equation it's uh it's just this is interesting this is interesting four races well turf races are always tricky especially in new york as we know with the uh they love to love to rate these guys and go 25 50 etc it's gonna be fast and firm at gulfstream that is the opposite of new york patrick obviously it's gonna be fast and firm speed can hold i found later in the meet uh that speed holds better because the turf courses are firmer patrick and speed holds well i think we saw that uh, a race on Sunday, you and I were interested in for a particular reason where the seven horse wired the field, I believe at 12 to one yep. uh, that I uh, was fortunate to catch with. And you, you had a piece of it to some extent. Um, so speed is, is very important on these turf courses. Do you in general prefer speed or closers or is just very dependent on the race flow itself in turf races in general? Uh, yeah, it's very dependent on the race itself. Uh, I prefer closers and longer distance races, rather than uh, shorter sprints, but um, yeah, it, it depends. Sure. So let's go ahead and jump into the sequence, everyone. Again, we're going to start with race five. As I go ahead and bring up uh, the screen here. Let me do this. There we go. We're going to bring up race five first. Again, these are outside of the uh, of the late pick five sequence. The first race we're going to look at, I'm going to put our ticker on the bottom of the screen. Again, of course, it's just... Uh, Patrick myself. I'm sure Patrick is wondering, hmm, how close am I to Howard and my picks? <laughs> and if I'm not close, should I be worried? The answer, Patrick, is no, because you may be right and I may not be right. Uh, race five starts at approximately, you can see on the screen, 1258 Eastern. It's the Colonel Liam, which I find a little bit weird since Colonel Liam was a dirt horse, Patrick, but they've got a turf race named after him. Anyway, no one cares about that. These are for restricted three-year-olds, $200,000 the purse. They're going a mile. I want to bring this to everyone's attention on the screen that I'm highlighting. The rails are out 56 feet now in this race, and the rails might be a little bit different as the, as the races go along. In general, ladies and gentlemen, that will help speed. Usually when the rails are further out, there's just less room on the turf course and it helps speed in general. It's not a rule of thumb though. You can see this is a field of nine and we do not have morning lines as of this show, which certainly makes this a little more difficult as well, Patrick, as I bring you on screen. I'm sure that's a challenge for someone who's uh, you know not quite as uh, experienced. You've been doing this for several years now, so I do not want to give the impression at all uh, that you certainly don't know what you're doing because you certainly do. But without morning lines, Patrick, does that influence you one way or another at all? Uh, I definitely think it does. Um, I tend to gravitate more towards morning line favorites, just I give them more of a look uh, without the morning lines. Uh, I think I look deeper into the PPs. Absolutely. So we don't know the morning lines. I can speculate, but sometimes morning lines are just awful, so it's hard to say. Let's get into this race. Patrick, you are going 
So again, we don't have a more line favorite, of course. You're going with the nine, the bottom horse, dude in Colorado for Pletcher and Ira. Not a bad combination. Pletcher has two others in this race. Okay, Boomer, who is your second choice. And he's also got uh, Santorini uh, with Rosario, the number six horse. But you're going with dude in Colorado. Let's go ahead and bring up the uh, uh, PPs here. And I need to uh, just update this just for a second. What does you like about the bottom horse, dude in Colorado? Yeah, so this horse ran uh, in the Kitten's Joy back on February 4th. Uh, that race came back fairly strong. Major Dude's a solid horse. Um, and that horse was on the lead with very fast fractions. And they were going a mile and 16th. This is only going to be a mile. I, I, I like this horse at the shorter distance. I feel like this horse can set the pace. Uh, it's, I feel like the speed of the speed. Um, and it's interesting that Irad Ortiz jumps on this horse. Um, I... I think this is a um, this horse will fit the distance perfect. How much do you consider this? You know the, the, these jockey musical chairs. You had size was on last time. Ired gets back on board. I'm assuming you feel I do that. Ired's going to jump on the best of the Pletchers. Would you agree with that? Yeah, exactly. And you know it's interesting because you look at my second choice, OK Boomer, the two, and Luis Saez has been on that horse for both races to end the horses one. And I just, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I don't know too much about how they, you know, pick the jockey and stuff sure. like that. But I, uh, you know, I find it interesting that, um, Louis stays on a horse that he's won both times with an Irad. It hops on a horse that Louis just previously ran with in third. So it's interesting. Yeah. Usually the agents have a big say in, in the jockey agents, Patrick have a big say in what happens. Of course the, the, the jockeys give their input and also Pletcher might have some say. It's a it's a tricky dance. Obviously, Saez is very capable, and I like both your uh, choices, although I'm not going with either one of your choices in my first two, but I will say that either one of those can win. Um, let me go with my top choice, the number three, uh, Balloonie. Now, this gets into our conversation we had before the show. This is a Euro. So let me ask you a question, Patrick. I'm going to put us on screen right now here, uh, just, just the two of us on screen here, without the PPs. As a younger handicapper like yourself who's very good for someone uh your age obviously um when you see euros without any form lines in the united states tell me your brief process of what you do to evaluate a euro and i'll go ahead and bring up the three on the screen and you can just explain what you do with your experience and your knowledge when you see a euro in the pps yeah so the, the first thing i like to do is look at the workouts and where they occurred um for that horse, particular horse, you know, just once it made it to the States, how it's been working in the States. I just want to know, you know, maybe how they're, you know, catching the ground here and seeing if they're, you know, catching to it or not. Uh, and then I look at like the level of races, you know, if allowance, a maiden, you know, how much was the uh, race worth? And then I look at, you know, what um, the distance was and uh, the position that the horse finished in. I, you know, I don't do that big of a deep dive. I'm sure I'm going to start doing that more often. But um, I look at, you know, from the outside on the PPs, I look at, you know, the things that are offered to me. Sure. So let me give you a little, a quick little history lesson. Now, uh, 30 years ago, when I was your age. I mean, Christ, I could be your father right now, which is scary. But that's more because <laughs> I'm old, not because you're young. Um this thing called the internet was like barely out there. Right. So, I mean, the knowledge, and I, I didn't know a damn thing, you know, 10 times more than I do about horse racing at your age. And I was your age. Uh, we didn't have a lot of the things we have now, right. We got the internet, we got a lot of things. So 
what I did, Patrick, this is not only for inexperienced handicappers or younger handicappers. This is also for seasoned veterans. I made, I have a little um, word document here that I want to show very briefly, Patrick, that might help you as well, or perhaps a viewer at home of what to do with European horses. And this is a list of things you may or may not be able to do all these. Maybe you can do some of these, but I do think it will help. So let me go and bring up this list here. Uh, right now. So I'm going to go, I'm going to put us on screen and I'll go full screen. So here are some suggestions that I recommend. Hopefully that's big enough. Let me see if we make this a tad bigger there. Okay. Here's some things that I recommend, Patrick, that you do in no particular order. First of all, Europeans are just like our horses. Okay. They're not all superstars. I think it's a common misconception, Patrick, that when someone sees a Euro in the form, like, oh, this horse is good. is going to be amazing. Uh, no, not necessarily. Now, they're over here for a reason, obviously, but that's just one thing. I think Euros in general are overbet in certain situations, Patrick. Number two, pay attention to the connections. Who trained them in Europe? Who trains them now? Who owns them now? If you're familiar with American ownership, you know, obviously, um, you know, like Matacat Stables and Dub or, you know, Peter Brandt, obviously there's names that you know. Those are telltale signs. These are probably horses that have been privately purchased and can run. And what tracks do they run in Europe? There are provincial tracks, which are less prestigious, like our Charles Towns or our Penn Nationals, et cetera. And then, of course, you have our, they have well more well-known tracks, obviously. Um, you know, you, you've got Ascot, you've got X, Y, and Z in different places. So just same thing in Europe. The time form U.S. numbers. In general, you subtract about 15 to get the buyer. That's a generalization. So that's another uh, clue. Um, something I think is a bit underrated and what direction were they running? You can see on the PPs, you know, what direction they're going left hand, right hand, straight away, et cetera. Uh, it's a bit negative me patch for horses that have only run on a straightaway. For example, maybe they can't handle the turns. That's something to keep in mind on race day. Specifically, you can look at the overseas betting in Europe. There's odds checker, Ladbrokes. You don't have to have a, um, an ID for that. You can just, anyone can look at it and see how the locals, and I put that in quote, meaning the European betters are betting the race in the United States. Now, obviously they're going to bet the euros. They're going to like the euros more than our runners because, you know, everyone's myopic and they like their horses better than ours and vice versa. But it's something to keep in mind. Um, you can also look up horses through Euro-based websites like Racing Post is a really good informational site. And then also watching replays. Now, uh, Naira Betts has replays of European races. Not all um, ADWs have replays. But Patrick, if you can get a hold of replays, that's important. And XBTV is another great place to look at workouts of these horses in the United States. So there are some suggestions. Patrick, of all the things, I'll just bring it back on the screen. What are some of these things that you already do? I know you mentioned or things you'd like to do more that you see on the screen here. Yeah, I definitely look at the time form, uh, U.S. numbers, the speed figures, um, and the connections I pay attention to as well. Like you said, um, Matacat Stables and stuff like Michael Dub, uh, Peter Brandt. Um, you know, I see those connections. You know, I'm gonna definitely give them a look. Um, and then, uh, you know, I will say over the summer, you know, with Saratoga races and stuff like that, um, I was looking at uh, a lot of replays, uh, but not, you know. Not so much for the Euros, just, uh, you know, just in general, because the meat is, you know, just so big. Yeah. Yeah. I Again, it takes it's a guessing game to some extent. Let's go back to our let me go back to the screen here in our picks. So I watched Balloonie. I watched two of his races. 
one thing I do like here, Patrick, first of all, he looks slow. There is absolutely no doubt on the time form he looks slow. You and I both know Chad Brown is going to move this horse up. There's no doubt about it. I, I, uh, We don't have works at Payson, but I did watch uh, two of his races, the last two. Now, these are not big-time uh, tracks in France, but it was soft ground. I think this horse is reaching out for firm ground. I think that's one reason why they bring horses to the States. You're going to get firm ground. He's gone left-handed. He's tactical. I will tell you that, Patrick and everyone at home. This is not like a dead close or anything. He's got some tactical speed, at least in theory. You don't know how they're going to break, but he seems to break okay. I think Brown's going to move him up. I'm not in love with some of the American horses that have run. I'm going with Balloony. And my second choice is a horse that has run here, um, Santorini. I like the Maiden Breaker. I know it's a big step up. I realize that Irad is going somewhere else, but Rosario's very capable. He's got tactical speed. We're not going to show the replay. The one, he, the way he won last time, Patrick, was very impressive. Um, I think he can sit off your top choice. Is he going to be good enough to go by? I don't know. It's possible due in Colorado. Colorado will get loose. But I have a feeling, Patrick, and you see this 100 early time form. Mm-hmm. I don't think the six is slow. I think he'll be breathing on this nine at some point. I have a feeling he might be a little bit of a better horse. We'll see. I'm going with your nine third. Any other quick thoughts before we go on to the next race? No. I, that's Pretty much all covered right. all my bases there. All right, let's roll on. Next race, race six, as I go forward here. Race six is the very one. It's a grade three. There, It's $150,000 for older fillies and mares. They're going a mile and three-eighths. This is three turns, Patrick. They're going to start pretty close to the far turn. It's not a big run-up. You see the field there. Uh, again, we don't have the mooring lines, the 10-horse field. If I were to guess, I think probably one of the Browns, either higher truth, or Virginia Joy will be the favorite. I'm sure Lady Rockstar, uh, who I was a huge fan of last time, if you remember, I talked about mm-hmm. her at length. And she ran well enough, but not good enough on the win end. She she came in third. You are going to – whoop, we got to switch it around. There we go. There's our picks. You are going to go with my uh, big tout the last time she ran, the number three Lady Rockstar for Brendan Walsh and Joel Rosario, now stretching out Patrick to maybe a distance – That'll be better for her? Question mark. I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly what I took away from that. And I do remember uh, you were all aboard Lady Rockstar last time yeah. out. And I, when I was wa- looking at the PPs, and I, that horse caught my eye. And I do think distance Me is this horse friends. <laughs> so um, okay, that's why. And I just personally, uh, you know, I could be wrong. But I just think that this race doesn't feature like the last race, like a, a dominant presence. So I feel like, you know, I can – get a bit of a price here with lady rockstar what do you, what do you think her morning line will be as a guess and what do you think she'll go off at that's a, those are tough questions but i'm, I'm gonna this hey this is the major leagues now Patrick, uh, i'm so gonna say six, 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 six to one morning line and what do you think she'll go off at four to one i think she'll be four to one morning line and go off at like seven to two so I think I think we're we're gonna go off about the same, maybe even lower. I don't know. We'll see. We're we're both in the same ballpark. <sighs> I don't know about the distance here. You could be exactly right. Now she wanted a mile and a quarter, as we can see. Um, she's run ran well at a mile sixteenth at a mile. Brendan Walsh knows what he's doing, obviously. And then in Europe, she also ran. We can see at the bottom of the screen a mile and a quarter. So you might be right. Maybe the stretch out is perfect. Um, just sit off and then finish Is that your Patrick, or do you want her closer to the lead or do you want her to lay back? What's your, what, what do you think? What kind of trip do you envision for her? I, I, I think she should lay back. Um, 
you know, not, not coming from the clouds, but, you sure. know, definitely um, sitting back and letting some horses um, take the lead. Okay. I mean, she ran a nice horses. Queen Goddess ran huge that day. We all yeah. know about Shantasara. So this is not a step down in class. It's just different horses. Um, the six, which is my top choice. I'll let you talk. You've got Transient in um, second. I thought she ran a big race, a little bit off the layoff for Safi against personal best who came over the top, who actually I needed in in the, uh, in the big contest that day in the uh, Pegasus betting contest. Um, she seems to be getting better, Patrick. I like that. That's exactly what my uh, opinion was. The horse seems to be getting better. The horse has been getting bet. Um, and I the horse uh, just loves distance. And I, I think this horse has uh, got a big shot with Sa- Safi at Gulfstream and, you know, a nice race. Yeah, no question about it. And this E5 racing is, is, a, is a very big ownership. The Sire See the Stars was a serious, talk about Euros. You can look it up after the show, a serious Euro. See the Stars was a really nice horse, wanted distance. I think Transient just said nice trip for Tyler. I see no reason why she can't win. That's my top choice. And then my second choice is your third choice. Uh, Virginia Joy, look, we know Chad can win off layoffs, Patrick, and so That's- can Fletcher. But the time to get them is off of layoffs. I don't love the 10-hole also coming from the outside with a short run. Ira's going to have to use her a little bit. If she's ready, though, I would argue she's the horse to beat if she's ready. I just don't think she's going to fire her best shot. It just seems like this is a prep for bigger races coming up in, in the spring in New York. Wouldn't you think so? Yeah, and that, that was gonna I was going to put you on the spot, but you pretty much answered the question about what do you like to do with uh, layoffs because, I mean, you look at the previous races this horse is running. I mean, this horse is definitely the class, so. Yeah, no question. I mean, she's, she battled with Warlike Goddess. I mean, she's a nice horse. So she beat Warlike Goddess, remember, on that that Flower Bowl, which they went ridiculous. And oh, that was. We, we won't go back into a lot of people say Warlike Goddess, including me and whatever. Anyway, past history now. Um, had no chance in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, Philly and Merritt Turf would, you know, didn't break great and didn't really have a chance. What do I do? This is a six-year-old mare. Um, at some point, they want to become a mama. I'm not saying it's going to happen Saturday. I expect her to run well. Um, it's very situational to me. I try to beat them, is, is the quick answer, Patrick. I try to beat these horses coming off a layoff because they're prepping for bigger races down the road. Believe me, this race is not the main goal for Virginia Joy this year. But in saying that, she's classy enough, mm-hmm. and she can win for sure. Let's go on uh, to the next race, Patrick. I go ahead and switch. Now, we're not going to race seven. Uh, that's a, uh, a dirt allowance race. It's actually a real nice dirt allowance race. But we're going to go to race eight, which is the next undercard stake here. Race eight, as I you see, I switched our picks here. Race eight, let me go ahead and scroll down. Race eight is the Canadian turf. I have a very strong opinion, by the way, in this race. Uh, and we're going to talk about it. And actually, if you look at the scroll, we both have the same horse. So maybe our strong opinions are the same, Patrick. This <laughs> is the Canadian turf. It's a grade three, 150,000, a mile 16th. Again, you see that 56 feet. Not a huge run to the first turn. This is a nice field of 10. Uh, again, we don't have a morning line. I'm guessing it's either going to be the three or the five would be my guess. We are both going with the number three, Emmanuel, for Pletcher and Castellano, a newly turned turned four-year-old who, Patrick, I thought ran huge last time, and maybe uh, just the best is yet to come for this horse. Uh, Agree 100%. Um, I remember this horse uh, in the bluegrass 
um, and the Saratoga Derby. Uh, I bet the horse in both of those races uh, was not a good outcome, but uh, this horse seems to be the class, like I said in the previous race. I, I just – Javier Castellano gets the mount, and um, I think this horse loves this distance and honestly should pounce in this field. Now, here's what I love about this horse, and I've talked about this on the show, Patrick, and this is something for younger handicappers like yourself and people that are you know, trying to sharpen their skills a little more. I'm a huge fan, and so are many other handicappers I respect, of horses that greatly improve with a change in tactics. This horse was mainly a speed horse, mm-hmm. and he was a good speed horse. And he ran huge in the Penine Ridge there on, on June 4th. I didn't like him that day, I'll admit it. And he wired the field, although he got away with murder that day. Really slow pace. But now, in this last race, let's just look at this last race. You can see he rated. And he didn't rate Patrick because he didn't break well. It looks like Pletcher is trying to teach this horse how to rate. Because he looked completely professional last time against older horses. And let's take a look at it. This was at Tampa Bay. He's the sixth horse in this race. We're going to fast forward towards the end of the well i'm going to show the break first and he's right here and why i want to show the break is because you can see the jock didn't like rush him up it didn't look like i mean he broke fine but you see he's got a nice hold here he's not rank and while other horse he just lets other horses go patrick Mm -hmm. and i love the fact that he's in between horses taking cover for the first time and not on the lead this is a tricky spot right here patrick Mm -hmm. i mean you right i mean you see he wants to go a little bit but uh, he's in between horses and settling, and this is a really good sign because usually, Patrick, when they're headstrong, this is a major problem for a horse, right? When they're in this, yep. like, claustrophobic spot. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that, yes. So you can see he's rating kindly. We'll just go ahead, you know, towards the end of the race here, and he makes his movies on the outside, and he's never done this in his career, Patrick, never. He switches leads perfectly. He goes the right-hand stick. This is a nice horse who ran very well. Um, um, in the prep for the Pegasus turf. And he goes on. Here's what I really like, Patrick. He's running away. These horses are never, never getting him. The gallop out was really good. You see that mile time was 133 and 1, 139. And you can see, again, he's winning pretty comfortably. This is a really serious time. I believe that was a course record time. Patrick, don't hold me to that. I'm sure someone will chat uh, below the, uh, the, um, comment in the comments i think that was a track record time or, or at least a, a stakes record time um i the sky's the limit for this horse and and i think he's gonna do the same there is other speed in here so he might have to do the same thing uh, on saturday yeah yeah uh, no question about it now uh you've got the one english b who i think is really interesting i i've chased this horse a bunch <laughs> a bunch of times patrick i will say let me put him back on the screen I don't want to jabber on. What do you like about English B? He won last time for an optional 75, um, although he was not in for the tag, by the way. Just let everyone know. That was his first side off a long layoff. Yeah, so this is going to sound like a knock on this horse, and it, but it's not because I picked the horse in second. I had this horse on a win bet um, against Moulage uh, last time. In be- yes, on you the do. Bet- I remember that. The bet- <laughs> on the BNG Boozy. show, right? Yes, correct. And this horse had a perfect trip. I mean – it was a perfect, perfect trip for this horse. Uh, I don't think this horse is going to get the perfect trip uh, this time, but I, I think this horse is actually a quality horse. So I I think, you know, with tactical speed, Louie knows exactly what he needs to do with the horse, and he could judge what he wants. Um, I, I feel like I had to put this horse on my uh, – just on my top three. 
Patrick, how much do you take posts into account? Again, I know it's situational, but it's a fairly short run. Like if this horse was had the seven hole, is it possible you wouldn't pick him on top? Like how much do you upgrade a horse based on their post position or downgrade a horse? I would, to be honest, I would downgrade a horse on post position if I, I, I don't think I would upgrade a horse on post position, in my opinion. Oh, okay. Interesting. So yeah. usually only downgrade if they have a wide post. Correct. So you like the source no matter where he would break. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Um, I think I think that's a that's a fair assessment. I do again, it's situational, of course, but um the inside is I mean, you want to save as much ground as possible. Obviously, that there's nothing really earth shattering there. He can he's also worked a bunch of times since he ran. To me, that's a good sign as well. I think he is I don't love him in the top three, but it's certainly he has a chance to hit the board. And then you are going with the four. Fort Washington, this is an interesting horse that's coming off a layoff um, for Shug and Jose Ortiz, but it is co-owned by uh, Peter Brandt. This horse has got some upside. This is, this could be one of those longer shots, maybe double digits that can that can be a factor here, Patrick. Yeah, the horse has been working well. Uh, the horse is going to come from the clouds. I need uh, you know the pace to uh, set up for this horse. I I, I mean, I, I think this could be one of those – you know, wire finishes at Goldstream Park that, you know, either goes my way or breaks my heart like we've had in the past. But uh, I know I like the connections on this horse, and I think this horse can improve. Yeah, he has every right to improve. He's a newly turned four-year-old by Warfront out of an Irish mare. So, um, you know, obviously um, th- this horse has a chance to uh, improve for sure. Um, I want to talk about good governance. I think this is the class of the field. I just don't like the fact that he's a seven-year-old and maybe he's going to regress. I mean, he's run two big races as a seven-year-old um, for Bridge Mahan. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the Anamia. I know a lot of people don't like Julian Leperu. I get it. He's three for 62 at this meet, Patrick. But I mean, just look who he's been facing. I yeah. mean, City Man, Atone, um, Win Within. By the way, this Win Within you see right here that I'm highlighted, that was the four horse that Emmanuel went by in our replay, just let you know. So um, this horse has faced really nice horses. I just think at some point, Patrick, they've been pointing him for big spots. This might be a small regression, but he's absolutely the class of the field that if he runs his race and gets some pace, I think he's a likely winner, but he's kind of the kind of horse that's going to be well bet that I'm going to try to beat on the win end. Um, And then for third, I've got the eighth. Let me go ahead and show the eight horse here. The eight is safe conduct. I didn't really have a strong opinion for third. The eight is sort of like your one English B, a consistent type that likes to be up close. That's run some big races. He's off a big layoff. I'm thinking maybe Emma Jane will send the lead and they'll take his chances. This horse has surprised me before, but I really don't like this horse on the win. And to me, it's mainly three, five. I really don't like anyone else in this race. Patrick's going three, one, uh, this seems to be a little more chalky to me. Would you, well, English B, you've got a second. will probably six to one. Yeah. I was going to say, eight, I was going to say eight to one. So yeah. Okay. Uh, very interesting. And the four is a great long shot that Patrick thrown in there. Again, I'm guessing a long shot, right? We don't know, but yeah. I think the four is a real interesting horse underneath Patrick. I like that pick quite a bit for third. Let's go to the last race that we're going to be talking about, uh, today on the show race nine. Let's go ahead and bring up the. Aquabase. This is the Here Comes the Bride, grade three. This is for the three-year-old Phillies. Uh, $200,000. They're going a mile on the turf course. I just want to mention this, Patrick. I don't know if you saw this, but there is no, um, nothing listed in terms of the, um, uh, 
I'm drawing a blank. The, the, uh, the rail. The, the, the rail. rail. I'm sorry, boy. It's been a long day. Nope. <laughs> um, that means they're on the inner rail. Now, what does that mean, Patrick? That means I'm going to bring you on screen and for everyone at home. The inner rail, it's me tighter turns. It's me fresh ground. In theory, it might help closers just because it's going to be on fresher ground. And they have a lot. It's a wider turf course, right? They have more to run on. That being said, though, the inside is going to be the best part of the turf course. And I've seen people wire before. So I guess I'm giving conflicting reports. But it will be tighter turns. I would say you definitely want to save ground more in this race than when the rails are out because it's a tighter turn. It's a math thing. I'll explain it to you later. <laughs> Just kidding, Patrick. But right, like, they're sharper turns. So if you're wider, um, you're, you're, tend to, you're tend to be, like, um, swung out wider because of centripetal force, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's a uh, love to bring Marshall Graham on uh, to have further discussion with his stats and, and, and my math and his math also. Anyway, I just want to mention that something uh, to talk about that the rails are um, are down for this race. Again, I don't know the Moorline favorite's going to be at all. This was a very, I thought this was the toughest of the four, Patrick. I don't know how you felt personally. You see our picks on the screen. It's so tough. We have the same horse on top. And we actually, um, my top two are in your top three. So um, we are both going with the number eight, Papilio, for Cassie and Saez. And this is one of these Euros that we've talked about a little bit. Uh, why do you like this Euro? Let me go ahead and bring it up here. Uh, let's see here. This is another horse, by the way, that I watched some replays on, so I can tell you about this horse as well. Go ahead, Patrick. Yeah, so I didn't watch any replays, but what I can tell you from the PPs is this horse is run in some uh, pretty hefty races. I'm not sure you know, how strong yeah. the, tr the track is, but uh, I know the jockey that has been on uh, the horse the last two times and uh, Jamie Spencer, so I you know, I'm confident that this horse is a good one. Uh, I just, you know, the horse has worked a decent amount of times in the States since and uh, has worked fairly well for Mark Cassie, who's a solid turf trainer. I think this horse could be could be the, a good one. Yeah. Now, this horse, let me let me uh, backtrack a little bit. This horse has even more tactile speed than oh, man, I'm drawing a blank of the name. Uh, the, 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 was it the three horse in the first, uh, in the first leg that for we Chad Brown? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Let me go back to that horse real quick though. I don't want to confuse viewers. So Balloonie will come from behind, but, um, he, he, yeah, he, I want to make sure I got that right too. I don't otherwise I'd have to have a drink. Um, <laughs> he breaks fine, but he's going to come more from the back. This number three balloony, okay. Um, at least from what I've seen on replay, I mean, you never know what the hell's going to happen, right? This horse that we're talking about here, this this filly, um, is a little more headstrong. She looks like I don't know why. Okay, sorry, I got to refresh. Sometimes I don't get the whole PPs. I don't know what's going on today. Sorry about that, everyone. This this filly is a little more um, headstrong. She breaks great, but she also likes to be a little closer to the lead, Patrick. And I like that really in any field, but I do like it here. Um, this last race, this great, this group one, of course they call them group and we call them graded, same idea. That group one was run over soft ground. And you see her other bad start, Patrick, her other after that wasn't great was on yielding. Patrick, this horse wants it firm. I mean, there's no question about it. And she's, I think she has a chance to love Gulfstream. And take a look at the works also. 
And I did watch the work. She worked very well. I see a minute breezing, 49. That was just a maintenance move. Here's a 47 and two. Th- these turf courses down in Florida are very firm that they're working on um, at these training centers. But I agree with you. I like the class. I think Cass can move this horse up. She was in Austin in September, right, Patrick? So this horse could vastly improve. It's a long layoff. And people might say, well, that's a negative. To me, it's a positive going from two to three. Are you, any thoughts on like layoffs? Um, I, is that more of a concern or is it like, depends how old they are. They can improve more. Yeah. It depends what, on your how philosophy old, there. Depends how old they are. Why was there a layoff? Is there, you know, injury circumstance, like, so, you know, like that. Uh, but if it's just a layoff, you know, to bring the horse over to the States or to, you know, just get the horse back after racing for a while, I, I have no concerns. Yeah, I don't. And I think the distance will be fine. She's gone left-handed. I, there's a lot. I don't know what her odds are going to be. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, by the way, the dam out of High Chaparral, who won the uh, Breeders' Cup turf way back, uh, not way back, but for you way back. I think I have to look up the years. I think the late 2000s, I would have to double-check that. Um, I believe she won the Breeders' Cup turf, but I was positive. Pat, you're going with the two in second. American Rockette. Now, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm chuckling because you I've talked to you about this a lot on, on the show, off the show, about Mott and Alvarado and first-time turf. I looked at this horse real carefully. I have bet this horse several times. I've chased after this horse. She is just a goofball. She is on the wrong lead. She gets checked and steadied. I think there's talent here. I didn't put her in my top three because I think this is a tough spot. But if she runs big, I would not be shocked. And you know what, Patrick? These American pharaohs have actually been better on turf than they have been on dirt. Yeah, and uh, this horse, like you said, has the talent. And the thing that you know is, is getting me is these connections. Frank Fletcher and Billy Mott have been unbelievable this meet at Gulfstream, and they've they've been clicking every button that they've you know put a horse in. And I something just tells me this horse is going to mm. catch to this turf, and I, you know. I, I don't know if the pace is going to set up all right. Uh, there might be better horses, but I think this horse has a shot at hitting the board. Just to everyone at home, let's look at it. Now, I don't know if you use Formulator too much. I highly recommend you do, Patrick, though. If you're not using Formulator, I recommend everyone does that. Let's look up something. Let's look at Bill Mott, okay? Let's look at him first-time turf, okay? Let's go surface. Let's go first-time turf, okay, with Alvarado. I, I'm going to be honest. I have not looked at this in a while. I, I bet it's pretty good. And if it's bad, then I'll say it's bad. I could be wrong. Let's see what happens here. Okay. Now, I want to explain this. It's actually not as good as I thought. It's only 11%. This red means it's below his normal win. So his normal win percentage is 17%. So it's actually below 35% of the money. But here's, Patrick, I think something that is worth looking at. See this average payoff? $13.54. So... Patrick, he's winning at a lower percent, but he's doing it with like those weirdo kind of sneaky horses at around six to seven to one. Um, hello, American Rocket, right? So he's not doing it with your obvious horses, is what that means. Um, I think he's fascinating. She's fascinating. I'm not using her in my top three. If she's bet a little bit, that tells me more. She's worked uh, on turf. I, American Rocket is not impossible underneath or even on the win end if she takes to the turf. Last thing, you're on seven, Cairo Concert. Now, this horse, Patrick, wow. I don't know if you remember the last race. This might be the favorite. This last race was ridiculous. She broke really slow, as if you recall, this race. Let me go full screen. She's the seven. I mean, I was watching this race live. She breaks horribly. Let me fast forward. I think a lot of us probably remember this race. 
Look at that. She, I mean, are you kidding me, Patrick? Wow. <laughs> Let, let's see that. What happens here, Patrick? The horse just doesn't get out of the gate. Looks like the uh, the she gate. Reared, looks like she reared up, right? She yep. reared up. Yeah, no. Uh, it, it's like uh, it's like you know running a uh, a race on a track, a racetrack, and they just hold you back for uh, they give you a three second head start. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's not even in the picture. And interesting enough, on FanDuel, Patrick, they had the camera on um, Cairo concert uh, concert, and it was interesting to watch. Long story short, you see she's way back here. Right, she does catch up a little bit. She makes this move in the stretch. I mean, what a ride, by the way. And and Ira still has a hold. And you know, right now you'd think she's got a big shot if you didn't know about the start. But with the start on this is a this is a big time close. She's right here. What a what a what a ride. I mean, this is a, an eclipse winning ride, obviously. Gets her to the outside, an absolute explosion for Ira down the lane wins well against a few of these that are coming back. Okay, now people see that, Patrick. You know what's going to happen. This horse is going to be bet a ton. Um, you only have her in third, and I have her in second. So what is it? Why don't we have this horse on top? Yeah, I, <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, the horse seems to improve, the, you know, pretty much from every race, you know, likes the distance. I just, I feel like, there's horses that could perform better on this day, you know, just major improvement, maybe from American Rocket or like I said, uh, with the eight for Cassie. Listen, this horse could very well win. I have the horse on tickets, but, uh, you know, I kind of that the price might pay a factor too. you know, the horse is going to be, very, you know, pretty low in odds. So I think she's going to go off as the post time favorite. Um, I, I guess it depends how strong the euros are, but, um, the other, the other, another Euro real quick, number six, Revelita, who I have in third for Chad, not coming from the strongest tracks. Again, not every Chad is the same. Okay. Not every Euro is the same. Um, I, would I be shocked if she won? Absolutely not. This is a new acquisition for Chad, but lower speed figures coming from worse tracks with Jose instead of Irad. There's just a few, if, if this horse was that good. Wouldn't Irad be on this horse? Like, that's my thought. Now, maybe Irad just didn't want to take off of Cairo Consort, Patrick. But to me, the jockey situation does matter. Again, not that Jose Ortiz cannot win with this horse. But to me, if the six was the goods, then Irad would be on her. And plus, I don't like where she's coming from, the tracks, and she looks a lot slower. And I think the eight was in against much tougher company in Europe, Patrick. So I just – Cairo Consort can win – I just think this eight could be a serious horse, Patrick. It's just just a guess. It's going to depend on odds. Any of your thoughts there in this last race? We didn't talk about every horse here, but um, there, there are some other you know good horses. Um, Mally Moo is a horse I've chased. That doesn't get the job done. I'm sort of sick of her. Um, there's another Euro for Chad, by the way, from the rail. I think she's got speed. I think she might be going. Again, there's a lot of there's, – there's definitely some guesswork to be had here, Patrick, in this race. Yeah, let, the, let the board also tell you, right? What do you think? Yeah, and that's, you know, like a question for you would be like, you know, with the Euros, you'd like the board tell you a lot, you know, you know what their odds are if they're getting bet. Yeah, no, it, here's the thing, though, for everyone at home. Like, people see a Euro and people see Chad, he or she's going to be bet, right? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> that doesn't mean they're live, okay? I mean, it, it's really situational. It, it, it's tricky. Now, by the way, the one is Madikad Michael Dubb. Just want to mention that. But again, she's never gone beyond seven, the number one 
Um, let me bring real quick. She's never gone beyond seven, and she looks a little bit slow too. So the the bottom line to me here in this race, you got three euros. The eight is coming out of by far the toughest races and looks the fastest on paper. Plus, I like what I've seen on replay. So um, I have a feeling one of these euros is going to beat Kyra Consort. If it's not Kyra Consort, I think it's going to be one of those euros, Patrick. As we close out uh, the show here, first of all, I did a great job. Hopefully, we will able to teach a lot of you at home about some of these euros. There are some tricky races here on the undercard. Of these four races, Patrick, um, is there a one particular horse you're excited to see? Uh, is it one of these Euros? Is, there, is it uh, maybe a manual? Is it maybe English B to upset? Is there someone you really are interested in betting uh, in these four races? Um, you know, I, I kind of like due to Colorado in the fifth race. I just, I, I think that the distance might hit that horse on the head. I, you know, I wasn't thoroughly impressed with its last race. You know, the fractions were crazy. I, I just think the horse, I, I think it's a quality horse. And I'm really happy Irad's back on it. That that was like a big telltale sign to me, especially after watching the the last race and the horse kind of you know dying in the stretch. But I, I think the horse has got a good shot. No, I, I totally agree. And real quick, um, thoughts on the Fountain of Youth. Now you're going to be talking about the Fountain of Youth tomorrow, Wednesday night, as we tape this Tuesday, uh, with Pete Visco guest hosting, and of course your buddy Charlie Freeman. So I know you've already looked at the Fountain of Youth a little bit. Just quick thought: Who do you like in the Fountain of Youth? Of course, big Derby prep. 50 points um, on Saturday, last race of the day. Yeah, um, I'd be lying to you if I picked any other horses. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I like the two monsters, Forte and Blazing Sevens. Uh, I prefer Forte on top of the, with Blazing Sevens underneath. I completely agree. It's not a race that I'm going to get tricky with, Patrick. I know a lot of people are going to try to beat these two off the layoff, blah, blah, blah. I've seen Forte work, by the way, on XBTV. That he looks fantastic. He's been working in some older horses, by the way, too. He looks really good. And by the way, last thing I'll just tell you for tomorrow's show, you can use this on tomorrow's show, Patrick. Emmanuel, do you know who he's been working with? Emmanuel has been working with Charge It. Oh. Who is a serious older horse, four-year-old. So I like that, too, for Emmanuel uh, and Charge It. But I mean... I, to me, that's more flatters Emmanuel than Charge It. Um, anyway, and Charge It outworked Emmanuel. That's how good Charge It is. He is a complete monster. Uh, Patrick, really appreciate you coming on. Did a great job. Um, if people have questions, please put them down below the video player, right, Patrick? Especially if you're an inexperienced player, maybe you're younger, uh, like Patrick. He's about to graduate college. Early congratulations for that. Um, last, let's just add on this, Patrick. One one tip, one handicapping tip in general for the inexperienced or younger handicapper, whether it's dirt, turf, just anything in general, if there's one thing you can say people should sort of focus on or improve on as quickly as they can, what would it be in your opinion? Uh, you know, I, I think looking at, um, you know, the buyers is an easy one. You know, they, you know, they fluctuate. You know, you could see big buyers that aren't granted. But, you know, for me, I started out, you know, when I got the PPs, I, I looked at the buyers and then I worked my way right on the PPs, you know, looking at the placings and how much the horse won, how much the horse costed and stuff like that. What was the trip like? And then the timing, you know, I, I didn't, you know, do anything special when I was handicapping, you know, and I still don't. But, uh, you know, I'm gradually, you know, getting better with the handicapping. 
No, I mean, you're, you're doing a great job. You're Listen, I'm not just going to pluck someone out of nowhere that doesn't know what they're talking about. Patrick, really appreciate it. What's your Twitter handle? Because you don't have it on. We got to put that on your name tag. You know, you can add that on your name tag. I'll tell you about that after the show if you don't want to do that. But what's your Twitter handle so people can follow you on Twitter? You're a fun follow, and you're a big golf fan, too, for those that like golf as well. Yeah, I'm just, it's just at Patrick Kunzel. So just put my uh, first and last name together, and it's at Patrick Kunzel. Okay, I think we, I think we can all uh, handle that. And then, of course, you're gonna be on tomorrow night, right? Benton and Boozen. What's the time again for Benton and Boozen? Uh, Nine p.m. Eastern time. We'll Nine p.m. Eastern. For my great co-host Patrick Kunzel, right over there. This has been your host Howard Kravitz. Episode two thirty uh, two twenty four of the HHH Racing Podcast. We just talked about the four wonderful undercard races, all on turf on a spectacular day of racing at Gulfstream Park this Saturday. Take care, everyone, and good luck with your bets this Saturday. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Racing podcast, you're missing out. It's one of the best podcasts in the country.